They well, they were both worked in, as I said, they were both bank officials uh, in AIB Dame Street. And he at the time, he was a bit, my dad father is, he's still alive. He's quite an exotic character. He's a very good painter as well. I mean, he wasn't a banker at all. He was, someone described once, they were, they were kind of, um, they were kind of pigeons or seagulls rather than the edge of a cliff at the time. Like they were hunkering down in a country where there was no jobs. So you had a lot of people at the time, Christy Moore, uh, Terry Wogan, uh, Tony O'Malley, the painter, uh, who were in the bank, who should never have been anywhere near a bank. And my father was one of those. He was more a painter and a raconteur. Um, my mother was there and they met. My father, as part of that sort of colourful uh, uh, character, was going out with a sweet, a Swiss girl at the time. And he headed off to Switzerland to what everyone thought was his final departure, that he's going to, that's it, you know. She, he apparently, the story in our family, it's one of those apocryphal stories, was he asked my mother to look after his pencils while he was gone. And my mother took that as a sign that not only would he, he be back, but that he would be back to her, which subsequently proved the case. My mother's a very good looking woman. She would have been kind of very tall, dark haired, west of Ireland, kind of that southwest Cork, Kerry look. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised why he wanted to marry her. She was stunning. I'd be very close to my father. I'd have very strong, I really had admiration of him. I've, yeah, admiration of his creativity, of his kind of, he's quite religious in his own way. And uh, just the, the basic, he's quite a kind of deep thinking and interesting man for me. Now, having said that, when we were growing up and he'd acknowledged this, he was absent. And then he went from being that bank teller who was pushing coins around to becoming the public relations manager for AIB at the time. So he had a fascinating time, but I think he himself would acknowledge that that took him out of the home more than would have been right. And I think we all missed that at home. And I think there was that was a um, that's changed. You know, we we're actually I think we've made up for it in many ways. We're quite close now and or I am feel very close to him and I'm very lucky that I have him alive. Lucky that I had him as well. I, I got, when I was involved in politics, I got elected largely because myself and my father went out canvassing together. You know, he was fantastic. He'd ring, ring the doorbell. Someone, if the garden was in any way nice, he'd an opening line. He'd turn around and said, that's a lovely looking garden. You must be a green. And you're, you're starting immediately. You've got to vote. You're kind of halfway there. I started off in politics very much committing to her that I'd be home at tea for six o'clock every day. And, you know, we four young, we had four young children. We, um, they're now aged between uh, 14 and 10. I kind of sense wanted not to fall into that trap. One of the things I regret in the last 10 years is I probably didn't stick to that commitment as much as I, w- as I would like to have. Well, all my friends had left and I went to the States first, was lived on New Orleans and then went to Australia. And... For me, Australia was a hugely important time. I kind of, I knew no one. I remember I arrived and landed off the airplane and, um, you know, no one. And I got to get a job and I got to kind of make my way. I stayed in a hostel. It was kind of in, in near King's Cross, Rushcutters Bay. Anyone who's been in Sydney might know it. And it was a great time because it was the first time I was just me. You know, no one knew me. No one knew where I came from. No one knew anything about me. No one had any expectations. I was just being me. In the hostel, which was a mad place to live, like six months in a hostel, in a room with sharing with about half a dozen people, there were two what I call London boys, they were kind of good time guys. And they played lovely music all the time. They played kind of very funky sort of stuff. Um, and they played Tracy Thorne, who I hadn't heard before. And I think, you know, that she was, I thought, God, I love the sound of that.
I'm, we, we met through set dancing. We met in the Brooks Academy in Henrietta Street, which is a fantastic place. Um, and we'd been going out for, we were both realised, as I said, that we were, we were, uh, we were getting on, and we, so we weren't going to mess around. I, um, coming up to uh, Christmas period, I decided, okay, I was going to ask Victoria to marry me. I went up, I cycled up, I'm thinking to cycling, I cycled up to the Tree Rock on a mountain bike. I had, and I made up my mind at the top of the tree rock. I said, okay, that's it. Today I'm going to ask her. I was deter- I went into, I think I was meeting her to go to the movies. So I went into Grogan's and thought, would I ask her here? No. It was kind of the right place, I thought, but it just didn't work out in the time. Went to buy to eat somewhere I was going to do it then. No, it didn't work. And by the time, the end of the movie, it still wasn't the right time or whatever. I was getting fairly desperate because I'd made up my mind at the top of the tree rock it was going to be today. So I heading home, at a, we were living in the Liberties at the time at about half eleven, I'd veered her down to the Haypenny Bridge and asked her um, which side, which view she liked, well, up, upstream or downstream and then asked her and uh, I joke with her, I kind of say I had to pick her up off the bridge, I think I did pretty much. <laughs> she was, um, I didn't quite get a yes or no out of her, I got a collapse she said yes then and we got a horse and carriage ride home. It was very romantic. We went out to Clare Island for a weekend away. It was the first time we were supposed to really away together and with a group of friends of hers who were playing music. And I remember just going to the pub there and they were playing the Kesh jig and it was just that sense of excitement of of um it was just that raw adrenaline music in 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 that tune and in, in a lot of that music. And I think the Bathy Band, or I think there's something in it where they were there right at the most exciting time in Irish music. Like something happened in the mid-70s in Ireland where it was really creative, really dramatic. I don't think we've had it as creative since. 